Hello, Graham. I thought you ought to be one of the first to know. I'm afraid the old man didn't make it. I didn't want you to find out any other way. I thanked him for his thoughtfulness, mumbled the cliché consolations, got out of my bed, made a cup of tea, and gave a silent toast to the memory of leading aircraftsman Peace Sellers, late of His Majesty's Royal Air Force, and my best friend for most of the 35 years I'd known him. Toasting Peter in a cup of tea seemed rather apt, as he wallowed in the memories of those early Air Force days, and loved to talk of the times when those two brave boys in blue, L.A.C. Sellers P. and Sergeant Stark G., hair slicked down with brill cream, buttons shining like cat's eyes, and with creases in their uniform trousers you could sharpen a pencil with, made nightly sorties on the famous service club, the Nuffield Centre of Piccadilly. The war had just ended, we were waiting to be demobbed, and we both felt it was about time we got rid of all those pimples that the terrible service food had given us. From the balcony overlooking the dance floor, we scrutinised every Waff, Wren and ATS girl in sight, our own personal radar rejecting all the non-starters, the highly improbables and anything with a rank higher than a sergeant. After all, it's one thing saying, How about it, darling? It's quite another thing saying, How about it, sir? We simply concentrated on what we, in our inexperience, hoped might be what was known in the services as a couple of dead certs. I must admit neither of us could have been described as matinee idols. In fact, in those days, Peter was inclined to be rather plump, a bit moon-faced, and his short-sightedness made him screw up his eyes. As for me, well, I could be best described as a skinny Mr. Punch, with just a touch of Stan Loddle, but nevertheless, we did all right. We vaguely hinted at past secret missions successfully accomplished, and the fact that we'd both been in the famous RAF gang show didn't do any harm. We managed to get our fair share of pretty girls back to Peter's flat, and after conveniently getting rid of his dear mother Peg, the lights would be lowered, and on went the music. Peter and I had met, quite by chance, at the headquarters of the RAF Gang Show, which was stationed in the building in Houghton Street, just off the Aldwych, which is now occupied by the London School of Economics. Taken over by the RAF for the duration of the war, it had a marvellous little theatre, which made it a natural for the units which Ralph Reader, the pre-war brain behind the famous scout gang shows, had mustered for the Air Force. He was made a squadron leader and organised 13 all-male shows and two all-WAF shows. Sexual segregation may have been unjust, but if you're sending shows into the front line, I suppose it was a wise decision. All the shows had long service abroad. Peter, in number 10 unit, did his share in the Far East, but was mainly in European theatres of war. My unit, number 4, went to Algiers, Italy, the Middle East. We then played to almost every single RAF station in India, finishing up by being flown into the famous siege of Imphal in Burma while it was still surrounded by the Japanese. In May 1945, VE Day had come and gone, and the gangsters had either killed themselves or been rounded up to await their fate in Nuremberg. We were still rather aptly singing We're Riding Along on the Crest of a Wave, the theme song of the gang show, while being drowned in the monsoons in Burma. Finally, our tour of duty was over, and the troop ship took us back to Europe, 
just in time to cross the Rhine to see for ourselves the devastation that had been wreaked on the enemy. In the gang shows, I'd played alongside lots of fellow airmen like Tony Hancock and Dick Emery, who later became big successes in show business, but I'd never actually met Peter until the last few weeks of my time in the RAF. He was doing his fair share of shows abroad along someone in his unit who became a lifelong friend to both of us and a fellow actor in movies, David Lodge. While I was in Germany, Peter was living up to the title I gave him very early on in our friendship, namely Golden Bollocks, by getting an incredible posting for a time in the south of France. To say nature looked on Peter kindly was an understatement. Time and again he defied fate by always falling on his feet and, if I was around to observe this phenomena, I would give an unbelieving shake of the head and to Pete's great delight, mouth carefully those two words. <laughs>